So Jonathan mentioned these little gifts that we made you. I'm highlighting them because we spent a lot of time branding the rooster into this little piece of wood. So please take, I can tell this is one I made because the rooster is absolutely perfect. I think they're out in the back. I love Advent. It's one of my favorite seasons of the year, the four Sundays that precede Christmas, awakening our hearts to the deep reality of the gospel. God, who loves us so much, he entered into what we are so that we can become like he is. Advent awakens our heart to that greater reality. Uh, I love the interplay between light and dark. The days are shorter, the nights are longer. The candle flickering on the dining room table, announcing what Isaiah saw, the people who walked in darkness, have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. That's Advent. Uh, We're we're riffing off that Isaiahic promise. Uh, We're calling it a walking in darkness looking for light. Anybody know anything about the darkness? Anybody been looking for light? Advent. I asked a couple friends to help me. Uh, this morning, these are two of the four Tannis men, uh, Trigvi and Graham, uh, who I read this morning were recently named all-area tennis players. Is that impressive or what? <laughs> these guys are as dear to me as my own children. I love them. So uh, Trig is going to read for us from a book I recently read called Bittersweet written by the New York Times best-selling author Susan Cain. In the book, she quotes the biographer of a guy named Leonard Cohen. Anybody know Leonard Cohen? He's the one who sang that Hallelujah song. I, th- I think it goes like this. Let's see if we can play it. Do you know this song? You're going to be humming it all day. Hallelujah. Cohen was known to be a bit of a melancholic. That's why he can take that hallelujah and make it sound sad. Uh, So Trigg's going to read from Cain, quoting the biographer of Cohen. Listen carefully to this. Cohen felt at home in darkness the way he wrote, the way he worked. But in the end, it really was about finding the light. Did you catch that? In the end, it really was about finding the light walking in darkness, looking for light. Uh, And Graham, Graham's going to read for you from an author named Tish Harrison Warren. Anybody know that name? Uh, She wrote a book titled Prayer in the Night, which I highly recommend. Uh, Listen to this. Just as our pupils dilate to let in more light, to see more than we first thought we could, prayer adjusts our eyes to see God in the darkness. Isn't that great? Adjusting our eyes to see God in the darkness. Walking in darkness, looking for light. Can we thank these two guys? Way to go, friends. You're awesome. I got an audio text. Uh, It was Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It was a six-minute audio text. That's actually hard to pull off. Six minutes of... Uh, the, the person sending me the text, the audio text, works in a local school district that 
is uh, a particularly challenging circumstance. Daily, she's confronted by the realities of pain in West Michigan experienced through some of our children, deep pockets of poverty that most of us know nothing about, family dysfunction that shows up as misbehaving on a Monday morning. Uh, she, she was going on for minutes and minutes about the pain and the darkness and the hurt, and then about halfway through, maybe two-thirds of the way through the audio text, her, her tone sort of started to shift, and she started to name for me the ways she's seen people leaning into the pain, moving towards the hurt, a teacher who buys groceries for one of her students who may not have food on the table, a counselor who sits and listens long enough for the young six- or seven-year-old to actually be heard, backpacks full of goodness for the weekend and brown bags that go home each night. What she was doing was walking in darkness looking for light. That's what I want us to do this Advent, walking in darkness looking for light. Uh, On Monday, I'm just riffing on stories here, so just hang with me. On Monday, I got a letter, a real live letter. It came in an envelope. There was a stamp on it. I opened it. I pulled out, and I read it. It was a letter from a freshman over at Hope who volunteers in a local elementary school. Just think about that for a second. A freshman at Hope volunteering in a local elementary school, she noticed some of the younger ones in her class at snack time didn't have snacks for whatever number of reasons they didn't have snacks. And she also noticed the majority of those students who didn't have snacks were from other parts of the world, and the snacks the school would provide weren't, shall we say, kosher to their dietary restrictions. So she wrote me a letter wondering if I had anybody who might be able to meet that need. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, I don't know if this is a sustainable way to go about benevolent work, and so I'm doing all this. That was Monday. The next day, Tuesday, I met with a couple relocating to Holland who wanted to involve themselves in meaningful ways in West Michigan. So we sat down. We were just meeting really for the first time. We exchanged the pleasantries. And then he said, what we'd really like to do is help kids in West Michigan. So I start listing all of the agencies, you know, that help kids in West Michigan. Then I remember this letter, this letter that I'd gotten the day before, and I pulled it out, and I gave it to her, and she just started to cry. And he said to her, you're thinking about your dad, aren't you? Apparently her dad grew up in deep poverty. He knew what it was like to live without a meal for several days. And through her tears, she said, we'll take care of it. Walking in darkness, looking for light what we want to be about. So this Advent season, we're going to be taking an offering that will go to support traumatized and abused women in West Michigan, as well as children who are under-resourced through a couple of local agencies. It's our way of participating in what Isaiah saw. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. So listen with me. So it surrounds Isaiah's proto-Advent song. There will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee, 
of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness, have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You've multiplied the nation. You've given it increase. The people rejoice with joy as in the day of the harvest, as people exult on the day of plunder. The yoke of their burden, the, the, the bar across their shoulder, the rod of their oppressor has been broken as in the day of Midian. The tramping boots of the warriors and their garments rolled in blood will become fuel for the fire. A child is born for us, a son given to us. He shall be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there will be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, if you want to find it in a Bible near you, maybe the smartphone on you. Isaiah announcing Advent. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. A child is born for us. A son given to us. Just to give you the lay of the land, starting today all the way up to Easter. I just skipped the entirety of winter. Starting today all the way up to Easter, we're going to be walking through the Gospel of Mark together. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, if we're going to walk through the Gospel of Mark, why did you just read from Isaiah? Because Mark starts his gospel with Isaiah. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah pointing to Jesus long before the child was wrapped in bands of cloth and laid in the manger. Isaiah pointing to Jesus when he says, A people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Isaiah awakening our Advent hearts. So here's a couple of thoughts from this Isaiah promise. Advent implies waiting. And Advent requires hoping. Does that sound like a decent sermon? Good, because that's all I got. Advent implies waiting. I loathe waiting. I cannot stand waiting. Why would I wait? I can Google it. I don't have to go to a bookstore or a library. I can download the thing right now. I don't even have to read the book I just downloaded. I can listen to it on Audible at two times speed. Why would I wait? I don't wait in line at the grocery store. I do the self-checkout so I can get out of there as fast as I possibly can. I loathe waiting. But the Christian faith requires you're going to have to wait. Uh, Isaiah puts it like this. In the former time, He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Here's a map of Israel. You can see Zebulun and Naphtali. They're on the northern side of Israel. The Assyrians came from the east and just absolutely decimated 
Naphtali and Zebulun, absolutely ravaged them. The, the, the Assyrians make the Romans look gentle. They would fillet children in front of their parents. The, the prisoners of war, they would simply behead just because they could. They would burn the land down to destroy it so that nothing could ever live there. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he'll make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. In the former time, what's happening now, what's going on right here, in the latter time, what is to be, what is still to come, what will be one day, in the former time, in the latter time, and in between the time, guess what? You're going to have to wait. We, we are an impatient people. <laughs> Is it just me? We've kicked waiting to the curb like Monday's trash. And it distorts our soul. Advent is a, is a protest against the commodification of our lives. You're going to have to wait. So uh, here's a couple of ideas for your Advent waiting. Slow down. Slow down. You're moving too fast. Why are you in such a hurry? You're so busy, frantic, hectic. How's it going for you, by the way? Uh, John Mark Comer, former pastor, now author, uh, wrote in a book a conversation he overheard with Dallas Willard. One asked Dallas Willard, the spiritual theologian, what do I need to do to become the me that I want to be? Anybody ever wondered? What do I need to do to become the me that I want to be? There was a long silence. Willard responded, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Slow down. Uh, here's another uh, Another suggestion for your Advent waiting, say no. <laughs> for all of you people pleasers, I saw the twitching. <laughs> you can say no. Uh, Advent was started around the 5th century in uh, Italy, and among the first practices associated with Advent was fasting. Saying no. Set aside social media for one month. You'll be fine. Actually, you'll be quite a bit better. Skip a meal once a week, a way of tuning your heart and opening your mind to the reality of waiting. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord, the psalmist says. Or, or God says to Moses as they're bumping up against the, the Red Sea, stay here and let the Lord fight for you. In other words, wait. Slow down. Say no. It's going to be okay. Advent implies waiting. Some of us during the season of Advent, we get a little elitist. We, we like all these people who want to talk about Christmas. It's Advent, y'all. 
So we, we get all sorts of snobby, and we, you know, we're not going to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing, not in this sanctuary during Advent. I'm joking, by the way. You can relax. We, 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 get, we get our noses in the rarefied air of liturgical theology because this is Advent. You're supposed to wait. Well, may, I'm just going to be a little more charitable to a bunch of us. I think, I think we should enter into the Christmas realities like a child, you know? The one who knows what it's like to wait for Christmas with the parents' closet door closed and for one month out of the year, you can't go in there. You know what I'm talking about? Or the list of hopes and mom's purse that might someday come true. Or the, the chain, the paper chain you make one day, you peel, each day you peel one off because you have to wait. Advent implies waiting. And the reason I'm pressing on this, what happens if, if, you're, not, if you're unwilling to wait for God because God doesn't seem to be acting, then you end up dismissing God in, in favor of your own managing and your own control. And you wake up without a God and realizing the futility of your own control. You're out in the ocean without a compass. You see what I'm saying? Deep in the heart of the Christian faith is the call to wait. Advent implies waiting. It also requires hoping. Isaiah announces the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Hope. A child has been born for us, a son given to us, hope, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, hope, authority rests on his shoulders, hope, the tramping boots of the warriors and their garments rolled in blood will become fuel for the fire, hope, the rod of the oppressor has been broken in the day of Midian, hope, I love hope, we named our daughter Lydia Hope. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. We know the darkness. It's so obvious. It's everywhere. Even, even to name it feels cliche. Uh, Fleming Rutledge, she wrote a book titled Advent, which I thought was be good to read this time of year. Uh, Advent preaching is the easiest. Speak for yourself. <laughs> At least in my opinion. Why is that? It's because Advent is about a world in darkness. And it's not at all difficult to show that this is a world of darkness. Certainly not this period in our history. Advent is therefore a season in which we help one another to face up to the truth about the human race in general and also the truth about ourselves. Advent begins in the dark. We know the darkness. It's all over. It's everywhere. A world loaded with violence. A world destroying itself in war. A world overcome with greed. Advent begins in the dark. Martin Luther King Jr., in a sermon he wrote titled, A Knock at Midnight. It's midnight in the social order. As we look out on the international horizon, we see the nations of the world engaged in a colossal and bitter contest for supremacy. Within a generation, two world wars have been fought, and the clouds of another war are constantly hovering dangerously low. Man now has within his possession atomic and nuclear weapons that can completely destroy any of the major cities of the world in a matter of seconds. In spite of this, the arms race continues at breakneck speed. Nuclear tests continue to explode in the atmosphere with the grim prospect that the very air we breathe will be poisoned by radioactive fallout. Bigger and faster missiles continue to carve highways of death through the stratosphere. 
There's the ever-present danger that all of these conditions and weapons will yet conspire to bring about the total annihilation of the human race. That was 60 years ago. Take that and add to it the epidemic of loneliness the Surgeon General has diagnosed in our country and the tsunami of anxiety pounding on the shores of our students and the nature of our public discourse that makes grown adults look more like second graders on the playground than caring adults caring for the common good. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Look for the light. The darkness is everywhere. Can you see the light? Will you see the light? The light that shines in the darkness so bright no darkness could ever overcome it. Isaiah promised what would one day come true. The infant child born of the virgin mother and the unsuspecting father laid in the manger in the backwater town called Bethlehem in the shadow of Roman power. A foreshadowing of the day he'd be laid in the tomb only to rise again for us and for our salvation. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Look for the light. Walking in darkness, looking for light. It's Advent. I got a, uh, well, hey, how about this? This is from Fleming Rutledge as well. The real question for this season and for every season is this. Is there a living God who acts on behalf of his creation? Is there a righteous God who's working his purposes out in and through the griefs and atrocities of the human drama? Is there a God who can make good on his promise of deliverance in our last hour? Fleming asks and Advent says, yes, yes, yes. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Hope. Which is not just a a nice feeling inside to give you solace on a dark day, but rather courage to act, courage to move, courage to participate, courage to stand up against the powers and principalities of our world and say, no, not anymore, not here. The gospel is too necessary for our lives to sit back passively waiting, but rather actively hoping. I thought someone would have said amen right there. I thought that was good. I thought that was... I got a text message... Uh, from a friend on Thursday morning from out west. Uh, clearly, he doesn't know the rhythms and routines of our life. If you text me on Thursday morning, you will show up in the sermon. So He's about my age, maybe a little older, possibly a little younger. He's got kids, married. He's also a, a son. He's, uh, recently, his life was just like upended, like totally turned upside down, and he finds himself in this place. How did I get here? How did this become my life? I'm, I'm leaving it vague because I'm wondering if there's anyone else here who might say, how did I get here? How did this become my life? He sent me this text. Beautiful morning light reflecting on the wall as I pray this morning. It's a reminder that there's a new day. There's a new beginning. The sun rises. It's a reminder to me to stay in the light. And the light from true light overcomes all darkness. Praying to live into that hope. The light from true light overcomes all darkness. Walking in darkness, looking for light. Amen? Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.